baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. As Hurricane Ian gains strength, it's a Category 1 hurricane and packing a punch as it threatens South Carolina and Georgia. That is what's happening with the latest of Ian. Moving forward, I'll tell you how we will feel the remnants of Ian this weekend. Hope you don't have a lot of outdoor plans this weekend, but we've got it all covered for you as those high winds and the threats barreling towards South Carolina, South Carolina and Georgia. They'll be pounding them today. And as well, Florida now, in the wake of all that destruction, we're learning the new details. Um, 21 confirmed dead in the in the wreckage left behind by Hurricane Ian. Closer to home council members calling for Kenny, Mayor Jim Kenny, to make a plan. What's your plan, Mayor Kenny? They want a 100-day plan of action for Kenny to lay it out, what he's going to do, how he's going to include federal, state, and local agencies, including police, crime prevention tactics. They want it all. They want the roadmap to work with federal, state, and local officials to have a zero-tolerance policy to reduce to crime and to reduce the level of crime, but especially the violence, calling it an urgent need to gather everything we have to, to put it together, to do something in a concrete way and show tangible evidence to the community that we've got your back and that you're safe in Philadelphia and particularly our children are safe in schools. It's not acceptable. So I want to, um, as we talk about schools, do we want do we want to do the Bucks County school story now, or do we? So I want you to listen to this as as we deal with this, and it's just a tragic school shooting in Philadelphia. And I want to put it in perspective for you: four hundred plus homicides in Philadelphia, hundreds of kids shot in the city this year, which is not acceptable, as you well know, but. Now let's listen. You know what? Let me let me take to uh, let me go to the Delaware school district first. That's limiting who can get into a high school football game that you need tickets. And I'll I'll get your opinion on it. And then I'm going to take you to Bucks County. And they're not talking about safety or violence, which maybe the silver lining of this is, you know, isn't it a blessing to not have to focus on school violence? Maybe maybe there's I'm trying to look for the hopeful word in this, but they're. Uh, geez, what they're dealing with, with the all the politically correct stuff. All the, uh, you're not going to believe that. I'll get to that in a moment. I want to take you to this NBC10 news report. NBC10 is our sibling station, our sister station. So listen to this now. You have to get a ticket to go to your own child's school football game. Listen. 
I was there. Yep, David Bailey was there last weekend for the Middletown versus Appaquinimic game, an evening that ended with a shooting near the school. David says it was crazy in the game even before the shooting, with packs of kids causing problems. It was just like a wild mob of crazy people. And I bet you half of them wouldn't even there to watch the game. They probably never saw one minute of that game. Well, now David, a former Middletown player in the 60s who never misses a game, well, he'll have to miss some. When they play at home, I'm going to have to miss it. In a statement, the school district says based on what happened here last week and the mass shooting in Roxborough this weekend and lots of other national cases, they are changing their policy of who can and who can't go to home football games. Until further notice, no tickets will be sold at the stadium on game day. Students must show ID to attend. Each player, cheerleader, and band member can each invite five guests and they will all have to be registered and show ID. Spectators will have to remain seated, no roaming permitted, no bags either. And any young children must stay with an adult at all times. After some Delaware High School sports fights we've had over the last few years, some schools now do things a little differently. They pushed up their basketball games to earlier start times, and in some cases for high school football games, the big rivalry games especially, they now hold them Saturday afternoons when I guess it's a little less likely they're going to get huge crowds and possibly the fights. Friday night lights are good. Friday night fights are bad. And these days, more and more fights seem to end with shots fired. National organizations are telling fans it's time to be better. But in this district and in some others in Delaware and around the country, a few bad eggs are once again leading to tough changes for everyone else. That includes this diehard Middletown fan who will now have to settle for watching a live stream of the home games. So the people that do what they want, they're supposed to do and get along and, and support the school and the team, we have to pay the price for it. And I don't think that's fair. Yeah, that's, you know, we dealt with this during the pandemic, too. So there were so many, there many uh, stadiums and sports, those who did have in person and the sports weren't canceled. But for those who did have sports, there were some huge games where kids, you know, it's their senior year and the pandemic shutdowns and the whole thing. Then they limited who could come in. And so there were some grandparents just devastated. I remember being at one game and I later learned because I would have gone and switched places with him. But there was a granddad and it was a huge game. And he, he was standing, he was outside and, try, and, and had been trying to, you know, peek in and see his grandson play during his senior year. That's a sin, as I say, because the people that are punished are the grandparents. That's who, because the parents are going to be there or, or the parents, because the parents will say, well, mom and dad, you go and see, you know, your grandchild and I'll stay outside. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. And you know what else I think of, which really burns my blood? I'll tell you more moving forward about what's happening at the border. But think about this. The security around these particular high school football games in Delaware, the state of Delaware. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about Delco, Delaware. The security there tighter than at the U.S. border. So while we've got tens of thousands of people just walking across the border on a daily basis, well over 2 million, as you well know, it's like 2.2 million this year according to uh, CBP, and that's what we know of. They're just walking across the border, but granddad can't come to the kid's game. This is crazy time. Crazy. You know, figure out a better way to keep things safe. But to, to limit everybody like this and treat grandparents and parents like the criminal, this is, see, this is where we just have, uh, we have a lack of high-quality leadership. We need thinking people come up with a good plan that works 
that rewards those who are the majority who are doing things right and then keep out the criminal element. Or, you know, how about just keeping criminals who are accused criminals who've, who are caught red-handed, you know, in the commission of a crime? Well, maybe not put an ankle bracelet on them and pop them back onto the street. Maybe keep them, you know, incarcerated or in a holding cell until the system can come to fruition and, and they can get their day in court. How about that? Wouldn't that be nice? Just irks me. There was another story speaking of, you know, the Roxborough shoot, high school shooting. And there was an outcry in the community. And I thought this was an, an interesting story of more and more savvy viewers. And I wonder what you think about this. 855-839-1210. This is The Dawn Show. Find me on Twitter at Dawn Stensland. But there were parents and community members who were upset with the way that the media covered this. And in particular, the graphics, which were kind of remind me of that Darth Biden day when Biden came here with the red lighting and all of that. And they criticized some of the local TV stations that had a a big red graphic and it said continuing coverage. And then it showed a target with crosshairs. And then the scope of a gun and the art department, I'm sure, you know, put this together and it and put together the graphic. But some people felt that it, it looked like a video game and that it was disrespectful to the fact that a child died. And so they were calling out the, the media coverage for, among other things, apathy as well as sensationalism. And so I know that some of the different TV stations were altering their graphics and and changing them in in a sense. And I think that's good that the community, if the community tweets something out and says, hey, that that's really insensitive, it's over the top, or you're making it look like a video game, and this is not a game, this is our children's lives. And so um, I know that a, a new news director who belonged for a long time worked at NBC10, who's now the vice president of news at CBS Philadelphia. And I've known Kathy Giroux for many years, and she's a responsible newswoman. And she saw all of this back and forth and the criticism and responded to it. And so I think that's that's good that we have these partnerships and, and the credibility between local news coverage and those who, who co- and that's why sometimes you don't see as much of the insensitivity at the local level because, you know, you're going to see somebody in the grocery store or a church or synagogue, and these very people are going to come up to you and say, hey, don't you work for so-and-so? And let me tell you something. And that's, you know, last week at Mass, I had people coming up, Dawn, the way you said, you know, so you're, you're going to face people who are listening to your coverage. So, and usually you get a positive, but you often get a criticism. And that's, that's a good thing because we're having a conversation. And we're talking about what's happening in the community and how it's covered, because we must find a way to restore the trust in our institutions, because there's lost trust at whether it's the the courts. And we talked you know, last hour about the Supreme Court of the United States appearing to be politicized. And then, you know, people in the community lose faith media with its media bias, which is so obvious. And we talked earlier this week about Don Lemon making that boneheaded 
comment that uh, if I compare it to his comment about the black hole and a black hole swallowing up an airliner, which was always oh, just a cringeworthy moment. But this week during, a, a you know, an impending, looming, huge, historic hurricane, and he's talking about experts and what they're trying to do is get people to evacuate. And this dingbat makes the comment, well, isn't this due to climate change? And we, we aired that sound. But it's idiotic. But ultimately, that's what, you know, convinces people who've lived long enough to understand how stupid that comment is. And then you have, you know, 90 plus year olds who say, I don't believe that this storm is going to be that bad and I'm going to stay at my home. You know, and that's that's real to me. And that's why I, I really wish as far as the meteorologists, we had a group of meteorologists in the country, locally and nationally, who never talk about anything that's politically connected. Build your credibility, do community events so that people in the community love and trust you so that when you say, please evacuate now, they listen. That's critical. And that's what saves lives. Right now, we have in Florida, for example, thousands of people who are unaccounted for. I just told you, I have friends and family. The text just came through. (laughs) They've been trying to respond to all the texts and so on and phone calls, but they couldn't. So we don't know right now. I'm going with the official number, which is we know confirmed by authorities, 21 people. Uh, were killed in the storms where their bodies recovered, but that number tragically is expected to go up. We need to we need to restore the trust in our institutions, and as well with health. Think about why I've said how long have I said fire Fauci? I have nothing against this man, but no matter where you are on the political spectrum, you have to admit that this man. Because of the policies, the way he worded things, half the country, at least, no longer believes him. Doesn't believe the guy. That's a problem. So we, we must restore faith in our institutions, or at least a few, a few good men and women, for sure, right? I wanna, do, I, do we want to go to the Bucks County story, or do I need to take a break? Bucks County? Here's what's happening in Bucks. I talk about Bucks all the time. They make national news. As the headline here is new gender ID procedures put Central Bucks West High School students at risk. (laughs) Who says that, Dawn? That's what you're saying. Who says that? Teachers. Listen in. This is CBS 3 locally reporting. Everything that we've ever been taught as teachers is that it's the kids first. Rebecca Carty-Haring has been teaching at CB West High School for the past 16 years. She said she's one of many teachers concerned about a new gender identification procedure announced verbally back on September 8th, banning educators from calling students by their preferred name or pronoun without a parent's consent. It was directed towards students who were choosing a different name than their than their biological sex. Rebecca says she's one of several faculty members who's asked for written clarification from administrators. Until that happened, she says union leadership directed her and other teachers not to make any changes in how they address a student. It was very clear from what my principal told me that not following the directive um, could have consequences for my employment. 
But 30-year CB West teacher David Klein said he's already faced pressure to comply, and despite concerns from family and friends about speaking out, he says the safety of students must remain priority. I've heard from several, many current students who said to me, thank you. In a statement, a spokesperson for the school district said in part, quote, the district understands the importance and sensitivity of this issue, and there is nothing automatic about this process. As parents or stakeholders in these matters, too, we talk with students about the importance of including parents in decisions like these. Yeah, so you're hearing from the teachers. Number one, you can, you can sound off about this, 855-839-1210. Is the number to call the goal in Bucks County. And you've heard here on WPHT, whether it's during my show, the Rich Zioli show, the Dom show, and coming soon, the Nick Kale uh, show, or they're calling it Kale and Company, which I initially said to Greg Stocker, who's my, who I love and adore. I mean, he's, but he's also our brand manager. I said, I hate that name because I'm, when I hear Kale, I think of like spinach. You know what I mean? I think of spinach and because I love Kale. But maybe we can have some fun with that starting when Nick Kale begins. But whoever it is, you've heard us talk about what's happening in Bucks County, many school boards, Chester County. You've heard some of the board members. What they're trying to do is just make sure that parents have a place at the table with, you know, their children who they are the legal guardian of. As far as teachers go, I, I think that teachers are being put in a horrible position if they're expected to uh, figure out in a classroom while they're trying to catch kids up, especially if, if there were COVID closures and so on, and we've, we've all seen the test scores, I think this, is, this actually relieves teachers of having to worry about this because you as a teacher can, you know, can you know, find a way. I think they should be allowed maybe to have, you know, call them by a, a name or a nickname to say on a piece of paper, what, what name do you prefer? Because I have a son, David. His real name is Lawrence David Menti II. You know, one Larry in the family's enough, so we call him David. I think that's that's different. That's not what we're talking about here. They're they're referring to all this gender and pronoun and this and that. So I think we have to find a way where teachers just can teach. But I I can only imagine, especially when you have kids, and all of a sudden they're like, "Today I want to be called Chachki. Tomorrow I want to be called Glenn. You better call me he today and her tomorrow." I mean. I, my little sister was like that when we were kids, not with pronouns, but her name's Christine with a K. So I'm Christine with a K, but you better call me Christy. And then a week later it was Chris and then it was, oh, gee, you know. So now she's Christine. She's back to that. But for years it was really, you couldn't remember what she wanted to be called. So I called her by her middle name, which we still do that for each other. My nickname in high school when we moved around a lot was Blackie. Can you even imagine? Because we had moved to Minnesota, don't you know? And I was a sophomore in high school. And I was this, they didn't, they were like, what are you? Which again, is not politically correct. But uh, so, uh, well, Snow White was a nickname, but also because I have a Norwegian last name as my maiden name, Stensland. So that was okay with them because there are a lot of Nordic folks in Minnesota. But I have this black, shiny hair. And so they were like, Oh, don't you know, you got your Stensland. I know that name, but what are you? <laughs> so even my teacher, Mr. Holmes, nicknamed me Blackie. And that was my nickname in high school. But I think it was Lincoln Xavier, the student, um, you know, exchange student from Brazil, who was, uh, you know, 
a darker skinned guy. We were buddies. We bonded immediately because we were the only ones with black hair in the whole school. It was kind of, but I never minded it. I loved and embraced it. I was like, cool, blacky, like black beauty. But nowadays, can you imagine if that had happened? My parents, well, my parents wouldn't have cared. And that's just it. That I can't imagine being a kid where I come home and my parents say, you're a victim. You've been violated. Oh, gee. It's tough enough to be a teenager. So sometimes we, we have to be the adult in the room and not leave it up to the kids. I mentioned one of my nicknames is uh, Snow White. And I know w- one person, the first time I met him years and years ago, because we have a LaSalle College High School connection as well. He's, he's, he loves LaSalle College High School where his kids went. But um, my dear friend, you know, Mike Baldini with Parks. And every time I see him when I'm out at Parks, and he says, Snow White. So I, I th- always think of Mike, too. But I love those nicknames. I find them as a compliment. But speaking of Parks, I love going to Parks, the Comedy Nights, and the Bet Parks Sportsbook and Casino app. It's everything you want in a digital casino and sportsbook. Join Bet Parks with me now. It's the only casino and sportsbook app I recommend. You got to do it because it's a big weekend coming up, right, for our Eagles. Birds every week. You can bet on the birds, uh, pro football, college football, Penn State, all your favorite college teams, live in-game betting, and you bet on the action as it's happening. So you can download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, betparks.com. New users, you make your first bet risk-free up to $750. And then your risk-free bet is refunded in site credit. It's a sportsbook and casino all-in-one amazing app. Bet on more than the score, bet on player performances, who scores touchdown yards, much more. The Bet Parks Sportsbook and Casino app, where odds, slots, bets, and games all come together right in your own pocket. Join me with the Bet Parks right now. You must be 21 in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Updating you on the very latest with the Nord Stream Pipeline. And I'm going to move, I'm going to quickly move through this because there's so much that the Nord Stream 2, the gas leaks are expected to, that one of the headlines that I just saw coming across, the Nord Stream 2, um, you know, the AG has informed that it expects the gas leaks on the damaged Nord Stream 2 pipeline to cease uh, sat tomorrow. This is Denmark's energy agency saying, just saying this. The gas leaks on Nord Stream 1, they say, are still expected to end sometime during Sunday, that from the agency. So there's a lot of breaking news with regard to this, and I've touched on it during the week. Who sabotaged the Nord Stream pipeline, which they're alleging, and this is a, a you know, Wall Street Journal, you can find all of that. I always try to give my sourcing here. Uh, The Wall Street Journal headline this morning, Sabotage Nord Stream Pipeline Releasing Large Amounts of Greenhouse Gas. And this is the Danish Energy Agency saying 778 million cubic meters of natural gas could escape from leaks on on three Nord Stream pipelines that run beneath the Baltic Sea. And this thing's about, what, 200 feet down? That's what we're being told. And so there are all these allegations back and forth, the bickering back and forth. And so some people are saying, it's Putin. He purposely sabotaged this uh, because, you know, he's taking a risk and he wants to punish Europe and punish, you know, and this, remember, Trump stopped this from happening. Remember, former President Donald Trump did not want this Nord Stream pipeline, said it was a bad idea, 
Why would you put Russia in a powerful position to, in other words, need Russia for your your energy? Bad idea, Trump had said. So all of the swirl around this has been the focus, at least in most U.S. media, saying, oh, this is evil. This is Vladimir Putin. He's doing this Russia, Russia, Russia. And so let's go now toward, for example, let's go to Tucker Carlson. Did the U.S. blow up the Nord Stream pipeline? Listen in and he's interviewing. Who's he? Is this is this the Greenwald interview? Who is who is he interviewing here? This is just him talking, uh, riffing about it. Monologue. Yeah. Okay. listen in. So the question is, how did this happen? And it turns out it was not an accident. At the very same time that leaks in these pipelines were detected, Swedish officials recorded two powerful undersea explosions, each one of which was equivalent to hundreds of pounds of TNT. Nothing in nature can account for that. Almost immediately, the pipelines began leaking in three separate places. So there's only one explanation for what happened. This was an act of industrial terrorism. That was very obvious to the prime minister of Poland, and he wasted no time in saying so. Watch. Today, we are also dealing with an act of sabotage. We do not know the details of what happened yet, but we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. We can clearly see, he said, this was an act of sabotage, an act of terrorism. Well, yes, we can see that. So the question is, who did it? And of course, the prime suspect is obvious. It would be the same man who caused domestic inflation here in the U.S. and stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton. That'd be Vladimir V. Putin. The Washington Post got right to it. Putin, they declared, is now weaponizing the Nord Stream pipelines. According to the Canadian ambassador to the U.N., Vladimir Putin has decided to use, quote, pollution as an act of war. Progressive Twitter strongly endorsed this conclusion. Putin did it. And that makes sense until you thought about it for just a moment. Vladimir Putin may be evil. They tell us that he is evil. But is he stupid? Probably isn't stupid. So this is an alt. I love in the, I love giving you this just an alter, just an alternate view that is is not getting a lot of play because you see what all the mainstream media does. And so I just want to, you know, just take you here and listen in. So he continues to explain why Putin didn't blow up the pipeline uh, says he would have to be a suicidal moron and that it's his source of wealth, etc. I want to move on to Glenn, uh, Glenn Greenwald. And he was on Laura Ingram the other night when I stayed up way too late watching all this stuff. But I, I found it fascinating. No matter what your politics, even, it's just for me as a, a media person, I study this stuff. So listen in. This is Glenn Greenwald on Fox News with Laura Ingram. Us has been obsessed for years. Us has been obsessed for years, going back to the Bush administration, with trying to bully and coerce and persuade the Europeans not to buy natural gas from Moscow, but to instead buy it from the United States. Donald Trump, while he was being called a Putin asset or blackmailed by the Kremlin, was one of the leaders in badgering the Germans, saying, we pay you for your defense. You should be buying natural gas from us. And now suddenly the pipeline blows up in the middle of this war and we're going to blame Russia for that. The, the, the country that has the least interest in doing it. Yeah, so that was Glenn Greenwald, who Laura Ingram introed as an independent journalist. He's an investigative journalist. And um, I find him interesting, but it, it 
you know, does it make sense to you? Agree, disagree, 855-839-1210. So I came up with, because, you know, my my grandmother on the Stensland side, my Swedish grandmother, I'm always, you know, when I see the Swedish Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson speak out, I just, I, you know, I have an affinity for that. So I, I just thought, you know, maybe I should come up with my own theory. Who could be behind this? Who could have done this to bring forth that evil Nord Stream pipeline and the greenhouse gases to the forefront? Who would get on her scuba gear and do this? Well, listen in. This is all wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? Blah, blah, blah. Build back better. Blah, blah, blah. Green economy. Blah, blah, blah. Net zero by 2050. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Come on. I had to have a little. It's a Friday afternoon. Matt DeSantis. Great job putting together that montage of the young Swedish environmental activist Greta Thunberg. Yes, I went down there in my scuba gear and I did it. I did it through the ocean like Peter Pan. Anyway, sorry, I I had to just, I don't know. I had to go there because you hear all these theories and I've never done this before. But Matt, thank you. Beautiful job to you for sure. But I don't know, you know, what you think about it, but I think you should hear all the sides of the story and all of the different views. And so what bothers me about a lot of the national coverage is that they're only giving, you know, one narrative. And I think it's much more interesting to hear all these different voices and all these different experts who say, no, 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 it's not the Russians. It's this one. It's that one. Who has the motive? I always just say, who has the greatest motive? Who loses the most? Who gains the most? And that sort of thing. All right. We still have so much more to tell you about. So I don't want to I want to stay on time for sure. Um, and, And I have to choose between all of the different news of the day. The Goya CEO, he's speaking out. I love this one as he talks about uh, giving, you know, that work gives us purpose. Maybe we'll play that at some point today, too. We have a couple of local updates for you. The Dawn Show continues right after this. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We here in this area are expecting the remnants of Ian this weekend, starting tonight and overnight, heavy rain. We could have torrential rain as it reaches us this evening. Not that I want to even complain with the devastation uh, that, you know, they're feeling. And I know many of you have loved ones in Florida or maybe you have a second home or a condo in, in Florida. So I'm still... As I'm live, I'm talking to different family and friends. Thank God you're okay. I'm praying for you. And then, of course, prayers and donations, as well as volunteers and first responders heading for South Carolina as it braces for Hurricane Ian, which is back to being a Category 1 hurricane. So it had tropi- it was tropical storm strength as it left Florida, went out to sea into the Atlantic, And then it gains that strength, unfortunately, now packing a punch 
as it's uh, striking Charleston, Savannah, I mean, some of my favorite cities for sure. And of course, it will impact, you know, on the map, you're looking at Wilmington, for example, on the map. And for all of us, we'll feel the impact. And then moving through the weekend, just a raw, rainy weekend. Looks like Saturday will be the worst of it. Locally, a boil water advisory is now issued for parts of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, obviously just outside of Philadelphia advisory affecting thousands of Pennsylvania American Water customers, and this is East Norton, Whitpain, Plymouth Townships, a portion of Norristown Borough, by the way, so you want to make sure that you're aware of that, but it's um, Pennsylvania American Water saying that a main break, pipeline break, in Norristown led to a loss of positive water pressure, and it's um, a signal of the existence of conditions that would allow contamination to enter that distribution system through back uh, backflow by back pressure or back siphonage. So the water company putting out this warning, all the media were being asked to put this out to you, making sure that before you drink that water, boil it first. Uh, it's okay, they're saying, for bathing or washing and other common uses. They're working to repair that main break, but I wanted to bring you that. And obviously health departments involved. And um, let's see, they're making water tankers available. And you can look online for that if that affects you. But I know Home Goods on Skipback Pike right there in Bluebell, East Norton, they have all kinds of locations where they're trying to help give out some some fresh water if you need that, especially if you have babies or grandbabies in your life, you want to know about that. Oh, there's so much happening today. It's, it's fast-moving developments for sure as we look across Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Obviously, Dom Giordano, and we'll check in with Dom in, you know, within the 20 minutes before we head to him. But Dom Giordano has been spending a lot of time down at the Navy Yard in Philadelphia as these hearings continue. And that's another thing is we talk about the media and media bias and the fact that in in many of the media outlets locally, we hear this Republican led. No, this is a bipartisan led group. Ultimately, did Republicans start that so-called impeach Krasner movement? Okay, they did. But ultimately, it required bipartisan support. The fact that we have lawmakers who are Democrats, and this is a diversity of individuals coming together saying, you know what, we deserve transparency. And we want to know, what is Krasner's policy? And we want to see this. And I, I think that ultimately we deserve that. We are the, the taxpayers. We pay their salaries. We deserve the information. Technically, I would, I would argue the paperwork, anything, emails, company emails, this is our property as taxpayers. Why can't we know all of this information? Why can't we see this? And I feel the same way. And I'm going to talk about, I'm going to weave that into the southern border because there's I'm talking to so many people, especially on the national level with regard to law enforcement and how they talk about us feeling us here on the East Coast. Yes. Do we feel the impact of what's happening at the southern border that's that is open, open and so many different levels of you know agencies dealing with that and what has been described to me as more than 100,000 you know, f- square feet of like a tent, picture a tent city, if you will, where we have tens of thousands of people pouring over the southern border, most of them good people who want the American dream. Some of them, I'm being told, 
were trying to get in legally, had started the legal process of this. But the problem here is that because the focus is on all the illegals, those who were doing things right and legally decided, well, what the heck? I can walk across like these guys and get in. So I'm going to do that. So so we're seeing that because the, the legal pathway to citizenship is for many, that's being put on the back burner and all the bureaucracy and everything. Why? Because the priority right now is servicing tens of thousands of people just walking across. And the minute they walk across, there are trailers, as I'm told, and this is Texas, there are trailers because initially people were um, the changing clothes or washing. and that's, So then they said, the U.S. government said, the Biden administration said, well, we can't have people out there changing and naked. Put up trailers, brand new trailers, and we're going to give you clothes. One person described it to me. They said, picture a huge Walmart. Everything you can imagine, diapers, clothes, shoes in every size from infant through adult, every adult size. Picture a Walmart for free. Then once you're processed and you're given all new clothes and all new everything, now you come in to a huge facility where they're pumping in 68 degree temperatures, pump, you know, just pumping in here, nice air conditioning, all for free. All the food you want to eat 24-7, whatever you need, we've got it for you. Yes, welcome to the USA. It's all free and it's all right here. You think about what's happening at the border. And another, you know, I, I've had a couple people make the comment to me, think about our, our United States veterans and the what we're dealing with, with veterans, and particularly after Afghanistan, the suicides, the homelessness. And a couple people said, you know, imagine if we, if we did this for our United States veterans. Said, come here, come over here. We've got a beautiful state of the art facility with a constant, you know, 28, uh, 68 degrees cleaning crews. It's, it's clean, so clean, immaculate with all the cleaning crews. And I think to myself, my goodness, why, why don't we have the right to see inside some of these facilities? Even if they blur out the people, I want to see that. Don't you? We pay for it. And by the way, how much? How much are we paying? Does anybody really know? How how much would that cost? 20,000 people a day and all the processing of it. And imagine if we had all of these, you know, different agencies who are being called there to help out, to help FEMA. And those workers, for example, came here to Philadelphia and helped us with, with what's happening with the, with the schools and the, and the, and the lawlessness and the crime and kids not feeling safe. Imagine. Imagine all the people. I know there's like a song in here, right? Michael Pelka will have to work on that. But I know you had a piece, some pieces on, on the migration situation, Matt, and your, you know, 100-page cut sheet. And I'm trying to, did you have any sound talking about migration, the migrant situation that I can weave in here? Because I know that you talked about it and now I can't find it. Because I got carried away with all the people who've talked to me. And you know why I can't? They would love to come here and give that eyewitness account and tell you everything that's happening. And it blo- it's mind-boggling to think about it. But they can't. They can't. Because, in other words, they're working for whatever various you know, aspect of government law enforcement. And they are not allowed on the record to talk about this. And I have to be careful with what I say. 
And I'm and I am be I'm tiptoeing around that because I just want to paint a picture for you as to what's happening. Uh, yeah, there is a little bit of sound. Um, if if you want to hear it, this is the uh, White House advisor Keisha Lance Bottoms on CNN. Uh, this is from early in the week, I believe Tuesday. Um, she's criticizing Ron DeSantis, and this was right before uh, the hurricane hit. So, kind of <laughs> a strange, strange practice. But here we go. Well, we have to remember that over the last few years prior to the Biden Harris administration coming into the White House, there was no thoughtful policy. So, there's a lot of catching up to do here. And we also have to remember uh, that when we see people like Governor DeSantis and others play with people's lives, these are people who are fleeing communism. They are fleeing Venezuela. They are fleeing Cuba and countries where they are experiencing communism. So it behooves all of us to globally work together to address this crisis. And that's exactly what this White House is doing. Well, the president wants to be very thoughtful about how we do it. And so you can't just bus migrants into cities and they are not prepared to receive them. But if the cities are given notification, they are able to receive the appropriate support that they need to absorb these migrants, make sure that these migrants have the opportunity to be properly notified of their court hearings, then that's a very different story than putting Mm -hmm. people on buses and airplanes and misleading them. Right. So tell that to the Texas towns, those border communities who every night they're locking up their doors and so on because they're inundated. Imagine a small town inundated, thousands of people roaming around their their town. So what all Ron DeSantis was was doing, for example, was helping in the effort to bring this to light, to even get the networks or anybody to talk about it. And one headline was after Hurricane Ian, um, there was one MSNBC analyst who predicted Ron DeSantis is is about to become a big government Republican. I mean, they can't help themselves. They just want to put him down any way they can. As this governor is talking about the death toll rising in Florida, talking about rescuers, heroes going door to door after Hurricane Ian and, you know, um, Florida's first lady. Casey DeSantis and just a a gracious lady. I think it makes them crazy that he's doing such a great job in the face of all of this crisis. And everywhere you go, no matter what somebody's politics, they're saying, thank you, Governor Ron DeSantis. It's it's making the national pundits and politicians, career politicians, making them crazy. All right. Dawn Show's going to continue. I have many more updates for you just ahead. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 